Welcome to Forte Catholic. This is your host, Taylor Schroll. I am in a great mood today. I'm real tired, though, but I'm uh, using all my last energy just for you. Um, We are actually pre-recording this show today because if you are listening to this live on Tuesday night, I am actually at our junior high summer camp called Camp Basic in Ledbetter, Texas. I am currently... Yeah, either having a ton of fun with junior high kids or I'm absolutely exhausted, one of the two. But um, I love summer camp. I love events like this. It's part of my job to, um, with the Blaze Ministries to lead events like this. So I, I really do um, look forward to these events throughout the year. So that's where I am. But um, we always joke whenever I pre-record, this is the only way that I can buy locate. So I'm currently in Ledbetter, Texas. I'm also currently in your ears. Uh, <laughs> as you listen to me on the radio or if you're l- joining on the podcast. Uh, welcome. It's great to have you here with me tonight. Um, today, what we're going to do is we're going to be talking about um, joy and fun and what what that has to do with church, what that has to do with um, things like this church camp, um, how we do pre-evangelization and evangelization, how that leads into these things like catechesis and discipleship. Um, and then the mission of the church, th- uh, things that we're uh, more readily uh, used to, right? Things that we've been around more. Like if you grew up around the church, um, you you hear a lot of, of of catechesis. We all get taught things in in RE um, growing up, going to going to youth group, these types of things. Um, but you know, discipleship has begun to grow a little bit more. And there's kind of one of those Catholic buzzwords the past the past few years or so, like really getting people, taking them from these just learning things in, in their head, this catechesis things, to connecting that to their life. Like, how can they actually be a follower of Christ? And then um, we're like semi-decent at, at mission. I mean, the Catholic Church is the, the biggest missionary organization in the entire world, the biggest charitable organization in the entire world. <clears throat> so we get that. Where I think we need the most help is... is uh, is evangelization and then even more help in pre-evangelization. So evangel- evangelization is like the initial proclamation of, of the gospel, like that God loves you and has a plan, for, like that has a plan for your life, that sin entered the world and wrecked that plan. But God loved us so much and he wanted to restore that individual plan. There's nothing that we could do about it on our own. So he, God, Became man. And like, so it's just so funny. You, some of you might have heard this story before, but you've never heard it told this way. Imagine God, the Trinity. We just celebrated Trinity sun, Sunday pretty recently. Uh, imagine the Trinity up in heaven. And they're like, they're, they're there in the beginning. Like, oh, let's create this universe. Let's create this world. And uh, then that happens. And then uh, the original sin happens. And then they're all looking at each other like, all right. We want to restore this relationship with, with humanity, but um, one of us is going to have to go down to earth because those humans can't, they've created this void that they can't fill. So one of us is ha- going to have to go down. And I can just see like the Father and the Holy Spirit looking at Jesus like, well, it's not going to be me. <laughs> it's not going to be me. So I feel like what they did is just like kids do, they draw, they draw straws, right? And Jesus drew the short stick and had to, you know, being God, had to leave heaven and come down as a man and uh, ultimately die, right? So it's like, well, the Father got to stay in heaven and the Spirit got to stay in heaven and they didn't have to go through the suffering and death. But um, I say that tongue in cheek, obviously, because Jesus, (laughs) I 
wanted to come and restore. That's kind of the whole point of this gospel story, right? That, that God wanted to come and restore this relationship with us. And so he did. He died for our sins. He uh, reunited us with the Father, gave us this great opportunity um, to, to respond to him in love, to confess with our mouths, believe with our lips, and live a, and live a life live a life um, for God, to join his church and, and to, to be a part of this Christian life. <clears throat> so like we get evangelization, like I can do that in my sleep, right? I've heard it a ton of times, but what's really interesting is the whole point of evangelization is to go make new Catholics, right? It's to go, it's to go bring people in, to go out to people who haven't heard this message, who haven't internalized this message and to bring them in so that they can be catechized so they can become disciples of Christ so that they can go out and 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 uh, be and live in the mission of the church there's this there's this pr- this primary this first step that we so often miss miss though even in youth ministry we talk about this all the time it's like okay we have we do evangelization catechesis we do discipleship you know we'll meet one on one with kids to like walk with them in their christian life We'll do evangelization retreats. We'll do catechesis and evangelization on our youth nights. Uh, we'll have mission trips and service projects so they can get involved in the life of the church. But what are we doing to reach those kids who don't come to church? We did some, some research recently. It's like, what uh, percentage of just Catholic kids in the Bryan College Station area are we, are we reaching? And it was pretty low. Like uh, of all the parishes, of all the parishes that Ablaze works in at St. Thomas Aquinas, like all this whole co- Bryan College Station area, what percentage of kids who identify as Catholic in the in the public schools and the Catholic schools and the Christian schools, whatever, what percent of them are we getting at, at youth group? And across the like, it's less than ten percent, I think, across the board. And it's like, oh my gosh, we have to do something for pre-evangelization. Like, how can we get kids in the door? Because most kids, it's pretty obvious, won't just come to Mass, won't just come to a youth night. They need to be invited to something different. They need to be invited to something that's pre-evangelization. Like, okay, so what does that look like? It looks like inviting them in the summer to an open gym of basketball. It means inviting them to, like, like there was one great example. We went to uh, this this training and this, this guy was telling us that one thing that they did, there was like, there's a lot of, it was kind of a small Texas town. So like a lot of the towns that, that this station reaches. And it's like, there's a lot of kids who were, wanted to learn about cars. So what they did is like, there's two older gentlemen in, in the parish and they, they were really good at working on cars. So what they did is they just invited area kids, not just the Catholic kids. They invited just area kids who were interested in learning about how to work on cars. And they had a car shop and every Saturday morning, they would go, they would work on cars together for like an hour or two, and then they'd leave. Notice what I missed in there. I didn't say they prayed. I didn't say that they uh, taught them, you know, made some connection between working on a car and God working on your heart or something, right? They literally just came, worked on cars, and then they left. So how is that pre-evangelization? It's like, okay, so after a, after a few weeks, few months, whatever, whenever a kid seemed like he was comfortable, they would say, okay, like these two men are like, they would say like, okay, we're from local parish, you know, St. Michael's or St. Joseph's or, or whatever. Um, this is the parish that we're from. Um, we've really enjoyed this time getting to know you. Um, we'll still love to see you on Saturday mornings, but like, would you like to come to, uh, 
to this Bible study that we're holding or to this youth event that we're holding at the church. And it's an invitation because they've already built that relationship with these kids. They've done this pre-evangelization before they even bring in the story of the gospel. They've just built relationships with people and show them that they cared, right? It's that, it's that old saying that, that kids are really anybody. No one, no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. It's the same kind of idea. It's like, okay, like you just woke up on your Saturday morning. You gave your Saturday morning to hang out with us and teach us how to, how to build cars. You're an all right dude. So I might actually say yes if you invite me to come to church, right? And so, so even then, there was another example that he shared of these, these, <laughs> these ladies that would, that would teach girls like how, how, to, how to knit, how to, how to, how to do certain, just other types of things, right? That they, they would come on same type, same type of thing. They'd come on Saturday morning, taught them how to knit, taught them how to make clothes, like all this kind of, you know, kind of stuff that the girls were interested in. And the youth minister walked up. So like, don't proselytize them. Like, don't just be with them, love on them, share your time with them, share your gifts with them. And then we'll go from there. And, and, and at some point, this is just the end, the entryway, the gateway to introduce these kids to people that care about them, people that care about, about God, and then connecting that into, okay, now, now we can share the gospel with people. Because like, I've, I've been a Christian my whole life. Every time I see somebody like preaching on the street, I laugh. Like it's hilarious. It's like, how often is that actually, does that actually work? Now God can do whatever the heck he wants. And I'm sure there's been some story of like, some guy walking along the street and he heard some guy preach on the street and his life was changed. Right. I'm sure that happens. That's not the primary way that people come to God. Right. So this pre-evangelization is a key thing that we often miss. So this camp basic that we, that I'm actually currently on right now, that's the goal of this thing. The goal of this thing is pre-evangelization and then moving into a little bit of evangelization. Like the goal this week isn't isn't discipleship isn't like helping these kids grow deeper in their relationship with God it's not to send them on mission to go do service for people our main thing that we want to do like here's an example day for us we'll we'll wake up we'll have breakfast we'll do a bible study in the morning for 20 minutes look in the scripture and then we're going to go play we're going to play volleyball. We're going to go on a blob. If you don't know what a blob is, do yourself a favor and look it up on YouTube right now. It's so much fun. One dude or a guy or one person stands on this platform and it's this long, essentially this 20-foot balloon <laughs> that's in the water and somebody jumps off the platform while somebody else is sitting on the edge of this big balloon-looking thing. And whenever that person jumps off the platform and lands on the blob, that other person goes skyrocketing into the air and it's an absolute blast. Uh, we're going to be doing that. We're going to be s- swimming and playing volleyball. I forget all the things that I already listed. So I'm just going to keep saying stuff. Like we're just going to have so much fun. And then at the end of the night, then we'll do some events. After hours and hours, like playing from 10 a.m. until, and then we'll eat lunch. And then we'll play all afternoon until five o'clock. We'll eat dinner. We'll play another big game together. And then we'll go in. And, and each night, a different youth minister is going um, to sh- share the gospel with them. Share how Jesus loves them. Share what a Christian looks like. Share the freedom that Christ brings. And then on the last night, the last night that we're there, we're making an invitation for people to give their life to Christ, to commit to, to living this Christian life, right? So most of these kids are church kids. 
But there are a lot of them that like at this camp, at camps I've been around before, this is the biggest thing that people invite their friends to. Most kids aren't going to invite their friends to mass because it's like, well, if you've never been to mass before, it's kind of an odd thing, right? A lot of us grew up around it and we get it. But I've, I've brought some of my Protestant friends to, to mass before and half the mass, I'm explaining to them what they're, what they're doing. They're, ribbing, they're elbowing me in the ribs. Why is that guy wearing a dress? And I'm like, don't worry about it. We'll talk later. Um, if you didn't get that reference, that's the priest wearing his priest scarf. Why is he wearing pink? <laughs> it's not pink. It's rose. Never mind. It doesn't matter. Right? Um, but the, the whole point of this is, is that it's pre-evangelization, something they can invite their friends to. And all I want from these kids is to say two things at the end of the week or something along these lines. Man, I had a blast at church camp. I want them to have fun. I want them to associate church with fun, to associate hanging out with other Christians as being a fun thing, as a good thing for their life. And then the second thing that I want, I do want them to be evangelized. I do want them to look back on this church camp and say, that's the day, that's the week that I truly committed my life to Christ. Because for a lot of us, like my big conversion was at a Steubenville youth youth, youth conference. For so many friends, I hear people's testimonies all the time where they share, like, it was a Steubenville conference, it was a mission trip, it was a, a net retreat, it was a summer camp. It's like, it was big events that happened in the summer. And I think the reason that they are so impactful is that we do a lot of this pre-evangelization. We spend time together in Christian community. So um, that's, that's the goal for this week. And how, so what does that mean for you guys, like if you're listening to this on Tuesday night or on the podcast, you're probably not at a church camp. But what does this mean for you? So often we, we meet people and we try to catechize them. We try to teach them the depths of the faith that we know because we've been Catholic for X, X amount of years. We've been listening to Catholic radio. We've been going to mass. We've been going to this retreat or whatever. We have all this Catholic knowledge and it's a good thing to want to share that. But so often we try to meet people where we are instead of where they are. So if there's a person that you're talking to, you're like, man, this person really needs Jesus. That's, that's a definite thing. But what methods are we going to use in our, da- in our daily lives, in our regular relationships to share the gospel with people? Like if there's somebody at your work who is showing some openness to Jesus and they want to talk to you about it, it's probably because you've already done some pre-evangelization. You've built a relationship with them. You've shown that they cared in, in some way. So an example of this would be like, you know, somebody, a, a coworker of yours um, has somebody in their life pass away or, or they, they lose their job or something like that. And they come to you because they're like, I don't know what it is, but you always have this peace about you. I just trust you for some reason. And you've already built up that relationship. And you can say, well, that's the first time you can evangelize by sharing your story. It's like, where, where, where my joy and my hope come from is from my relationship with God. It's from like, I, I know that <laughs> bad things happen, but I always have my church community. I go to church at St. Joseph's. Would you like to come to a Bible study with me? Would you like to go to mass with me? And then we can go out to lunch and talk about whatever the issue is, right? These things just to show people that we truly care. And then we walk through this thing. Like uh, St. Paul, Paul says it. Um, he talks about how... Um, I forget what letter it is, but he's writing a letter to this church. He's like, uh, you're, you used to start, like, like you, you used to be a baby in the faith. You used to drink milk, just like kids drink milk whenever they're kids. 
whenever they're real young, right? Whenever they're babies. That's the word, babies. I said, kids whenever they're kids. <laughs> that would be enough. <laughs> what great st- distinction, Taylor. You should have a radio show because you're so good with words. I said, three people ever. <laughs> I guess three people. Somebody had to say yes. But the, let's get back on topic. The whole point of this is, is that people who are new in the faith, you're not going to feed a baby a steak. That's just not how you're going to feed them. You're going to give them milk. And then as they grow older, then you can start getting, getting them more solid food. You start giving them those you know, little whipped up <laughs> sweet potatoes or whatever. And then at some point they start eating chicken. And then, it's, and then look, you, know, you, you get to be 27 like me. And you eat a chicken fried steak and three sides for lunch like I did today. It was real good. But the whole point of this is, is that a a lot of times we try to feed people the steak. Because we're practicing Catholics. We listen to Catholic radio. We're listening to this podcast. Like we care about our faith. We've been around the church for a while. And we try to feed people what what we just received. When so often we have to remember where we were before our conversion, before we started caring about our faith whether you were a kid or an adult, like wherever it was, what worked for you? Was it somebody who came and shared the faith with you? Was it somebody that just, that just cared about you and you knew it so you trusted them? What was it for you? So be thinking about that in your daily life. Uh, be praying for us today, uh, this week, as we are at camp. We're there for a couple of more days. Um, yeah, keep us in your prayers so that these kids can have fun and that they can come to meet Jesus. We will be right back in just a second. All right, so we are here in the studio for our second segment with a surprise guest. And by that, normally I mean surprise for you, the audience. This surprise guest is actually a surprise that she is on. She came to have a meeting in the office today and I was like, hey, you know what? We should have you on the air. So Vern Lavorti is here in the studio today. Vern, how you doing? I'm doing great. Just chilling, you know? Yeah, you <laughs> definitely are just chilling. You have no idea what you're doing here. So, I don't. <laughs> uh, so you came in to have a meeting about this place called Deer Creek Camp. That is yes. a very special place in the heart of both you and I. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what camp is? What is Deer Creek Camp? Deer Creek Camp is uh, a camp in Medina, Texas. So that's like in the Texas Hill Country, about an hour and 15 minutes from San Antonio. Um, it's beautifully set in there, like in a valley. Um, and so yeah, it's a Christian summer camp. And we offer camp for about eight weeks for kids that eight, range through the age of uh, seven to 18. And we have different camps that we offer. We offer uh, a leadership camp for high school kids, uh, and it's called Leadership in Action, and they do a separate trip from camp, and it's super cool. This summer, they're going to Pernalis Falls, um, like outside of Austin, and it's really beautiful. And so we're really excited for them to do that. Um, and we also have uh, Day Camp, which is for the local uh, kids around Medina, around Kerrville, Bandera, too. Um, and they come, and that's for two weeks, uh, and they come every single day, but they go home in the evening. So it's all the fun of camp without like staying the night. So it's an intro for them to get to learn camp and learn how it functions. And so that's usually like, they're like the youngest would probably be five years old and they are so funny and so cute. (laughs) Um, And then we have regular AC weeks, which are adventure camp weeks. And that's one week. Um, And then we offer two week camps. 
And so it's just a lot of different options. Catholic Adventure Week is our new one. Uh, that's new from last summer. And so it's an opportunity for us to minister to specifically Catholic denominations. And it's because we're close to San Antonio and that has a predominantly large Catholic population. And uh, it, we offer mass and daily adoration. And it's just really cool to allow these Catholic campers to kind of make their faith their own and learn uh, just how to have fun and learn how to have a relationship with Christ um, while still knowing and learning about mass and Catholic traditions and doing all of that, but also putting them outside and in God's creation and like having fun with counselors and mentors and all those people because it's so easy just to get caught up in the church life and going to school and doing that and forgetting about the real relationships that happen with your faith. And so I can love, I love camp. I could talk about it forever. So I rambled for a long time, but we, we actually are going to talk about it for the next seven hours. We've cleared oh, all goodness. of our other pro- programming. We're just going to listen to you talk about camp. I'll so tell all my stories of all my campers. <laughs> yeah. Some of them you probably might not be able to share on yeah, radio. No, so. Definitely not. <laughs> so Medina, Medina, Texas, the grand metropolis. How many, how many people are in Medina? It's oh like, my goodness. I, I think when people go out to camp for stuff, I think it's because. I think the entire town like triples in population. Yes, it definitely does. The we it's called I think it's the Apple Capital of Texas. And and, and for those of you listening, you know that I like Apple products. She's not talking about like Mac apples. No. She's talking about like actual apples that people eat. Yes, we have an Apple store and everybody always mistakes it for like a Mac. Like, <laughs> and we're like, no, 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 you can't buy an iPhone or a MacBook there. It's like an Apple store. Like they sell Apple ice cream and uh, burgers and all this stuff because it's near an Apple orchard. And so it's like, oh, we're going to go to Apple Store for lunch. And like, they serve food there? It's like, okay, it's not at the same Apple Store you're thinking of. Very confusing. Yes. There's no there's no iPads here? No, nope. no sir. Just Apple ice cream, Apple sandwiches, yes. Apple literally everything. everything. It's so good, though. It really <laughs> is. I didn't think I was going to like Apple ice cream, and I finally went mm. one summer. Um, because w- I haven't even mentioned yet. The reason I loved camp so much is because I actually worked there for uh, a couple of summers. And then like when I was in college, I would go to class Monday through Thursday, and then Friday through Sunday. I'd drive up to Medina from San Antonio, like an hour, 15, hour, yeah. 30 minutes, depending on traffic. Then it could be four hours. Um, oh, goodness. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. But I would uh, I'd, I'd drive up there, go do crazy manual labor on the weekends. We were just talking about a couple of them off air. Like, <laughs> I probably should be dead, but but I'm not. I'm here and talking to you about how much I love. Yes, by the Creek grace Camp. of God. <laughs> <laughs> but by the grace of God. Yeah. There, there, We used to always say there's like a dome of prayer covering covering yes. that camp because there's so many things that that should go wrong that absolutely don't no. uh, it's a it's a it's a great wonderful place so um whenever people like going on like when you're scheduling your, your vacation you're mm-hmm. looking at the hotels you want to see the amenities right mm-hmm. so what are the amenities out at, out at Deer <laughs> Creek Camp the amenities are super great uh we have a lot so we have uh all the cabins are air conditioned and in the winter time because we offer uh re- retreat groups that come out there during the off season. So we always say they're air conditioned and they also have a heater because it gets pretty cold out there in Medina. Yeah. Um, it also gets really hot in the summer. Yes. It's like 120 degrees. Yes. So. And so the camper's like, I don't want the heater. You're like, you're, we're not going to give you a heater. You're fine. <laughs> you have an AC. You're perfect. And so, uh, so all the cabins are nice and cool during the summer. Um, and we have a, we call it the great hall and it's our meeting area. And that's where the kitchen is. And that's where we have praise and worship time. It's beautiful in there, like all of its uh, cedar wood that's been stained. And it, there's a stage with lights and where we have our praise and worship team go. And it's a nice like central hub of camp. 
And then we have, uh, we call it the Deer Dome, which is, okay, so Deer Creek Camp, it, we don't, we have deer around, but we don't focus on the deer aspect, but a lot of things are named after just deer in general. So we have the Deer Dome, which is our basketball, our covered basketball court. And uh, it's nice because when it rains, we like to do rainy day programming in there. So you're still outside and you still get to hear like all the rain and smell it and all that stuff, but you're covered and you're not getting wet. Um, but we also have like our closing ceremonies under there. So it's just a nice, it's in a perfect spot of camp where you can just see the hills and get out of the sun and not be burning. <laughs> and then we have, uh, the barn swing, which is, uh, it's, I don't know how to explain it. It's like a swing that you, it's a uh, swing in a barn, in a barn, <laughs> but you have to like jump off a platform to like do the swing. So you go pretty high and you go in a circle and it's so much fun. But if you're afraid of heights, like some people just get super nervous on it. And you like, I love being up there because I'm just like talking them through. I'm like, hey, you can do this. If you do a swing, like you swing on a swing set, just in general, it's just exactly like that, except a little different. <laughs> it's a little bit higher and a little Everything bit Everything like it is the same, except for the fact that it's all different, except for yes. the word swing. <laughs> you get to jump off a platform. It's totally fine. So you're a better counselor than I was. I would just be like, oh, it's going to be okay. And then I'd push them <laughs> off the edge. No, because like they're holding on. And you're like, I don't want you to let go. So don't always hold on. They wear a helmet. So it's totally fine. It's safe. 100%. Like we said, <laughs> grace of prayer covers yes, this place. <laughs> yes. And it, for the younger campers, we put them in a harness and attach them to the swing. So they have no way of like falling off of it but for an older kid like it's given you hold on to a swing when you go so um we have that and we also have uh, a high rope uh course attached to it and that's for our younger campers and it's called uh floating islands so they climb up a pole walk across um a horizontal pole that's like kind of inclined um like not holding on to anything so they're walking they're tethered and they're being belayed by their counselors but they have to walk across this pole and I kid you not, that would probably be the scariest thing for some of these kids. And some of them like will like sit on it and like scooch. You're like, okay, whatever, whatever works for you. And this, <laughs> as long as you're succeeding, we're happy. Um, but they walk across that and they go across these floating islands and then they go on a tightrope walk and then they go to down a little zip line that we have for them. Um, so it's like an intro introductory to our big zip line for like the older kids. And so that zip line has a rock wall and a vertical playground attached to it. So in order to ride the zip line, you have to make it up one of those obstacle courses. Cause I know some zip lines at other camps, like you walk upstairs and it's just like a ride. Yeah. They cheat. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This is like, you have to earn your right to go down the zip line. And it's the best feeling ever because you're exhausted after you climbed up this like obstacle course and you're sweating and you're like, I'm so scared right now. But like, hey, the next part of this is the easiest part. All you have to do is sit and enjoy the ride. And campers love it. And I, again, I love working at the top of that, too, because you get to talk them through it and ask them like how it was climbing up there. And it's they learn a lot about themselves on these high rope courses. And it's just really cool. And oh, we also have a leap of faith which is uh, other people know that's like a pamper pole. Yeah, that's real. It's it's uh, it's one of my favorites too, but it's also one of the ones that terrifies me the most because you go up there, um, all of these things are blade too. So it's all say like you're attached to a counselor and they're <laughs> taking you up there. You're never just free climbing any of you this. You just put all the parents at ease. They're like, wait, they're just going to climb up a pole 40 <laughs> feet and nope. jump off? <laughs> no, no, no. You are attached <laughs> you to the ropes. don't catch it, uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no, you're attached to all these ropes and you're it's all 100% safe. And so uh, with the uh, leap of faith, you climb up the pole and you get on a, like a little mini platform. It's like a little box. Uh, so we give that as like a, a nice amenity because some pamper poles just have 
a pole. There's no platform on it. So you have to stand on top of just like the top of the pole. No, we have a little box, so it's nice and easy. Um, so you get on top of that, and then you have a partner that climbs up next. And so you have to help them get onto this box because it's super tiny. It's literally big enough for just four feet. Like, I've been on it. Like, it's not when I'm on it with my big old feet, it's not big enough for four feet. It's like two and a half. And then so like, the person's like scrunched up. Yeah, I'm like side. hugging this dude. That's <laughs> and you're like, it's okay. It's okay. We just got to get off. And so, yeah, you have a partner up there. And that's what I like about it. I love that aspect because I've been on uh, Leap of Faith's where it's just you by yourself. And that's so much more intimidating <laughs> than uh, not having a partner with you. Because when you have a partner up there, it's someone to talk to, someone who's in the same boat as you. And it's just, oh my goodness. But you're up there and you have nothing because the ropes are behind you. So you're attached and everything tied in from behind. And so you're literally standing up there with your hands on your knees, just looking out. And you're like, the pole is shaking and it's just, everything's so terrifying. You see the trapeze in front of you and you're just like, okay, we just got to jump and Reach our arms out and hopefully we grab it. And if we don't, you're fine. Again, you're getting, being caught by your counselor, so you're good. Um, but it's just still so nerve-wracking. But it's called the leap of faith because in life you take leaps of faith in everything. And so it's scary and it's terrifying at times. But you have to trust that you're going to be caught. Like God will catch you. He will, He's looking out for you. He knows. But you can't see it because, again, the ropes are behind you. And you have nothing to hold on to. And it just looks like nothing's going to catch you. But it always does. You're always safe. And it's just... I love the metaphor that it has with that. And you have people with you that are in the same boat that are talking you through it, that are holding your hand. And you're like, you just feel that comfort in it. And so it's, I guess, one of my favorites because of the connection it draws with your relationship with Christ and just seeing the kids come out of it afterwards, like terrified, but they're so grateful that they did it because it takes a lot of courage to get up there. And so we have other ones too, but again, those are my favorites. Yeah, no, for real, like going to camp. Um, it was at a, a camp that I grew up going to. And then my time at Deer Creek as a counselor, it was doing the leap of faith. I used to be deathly afraid of heights. <laughs> and I felt like a little girl. Every, every No offense. Every, every, <laughs> everywhere I went, like I really did. And like I started doing the leap of faith the first time I ever did it. Like I was like, the pole was going back and forth like yeah. crazy. I'm a big dude. <laughs> There's a lot of weight up there. So like I finally did it and I caught it. I was like, oh. That was easy, right? And like mm-hmm. a lot of the same connections you made. It's yep. like things look very difficult, but if you just try and do it, they're yeah. e- number one, they're either either easier than you thought they were, or they're just as hard. But mm-hmm. you're gonna get caught and you're and you'll be fine. Uh, the second thing I learned on doing high ropes was that I weigh a lot. <laughs> so like <laughs> me trying to get this big old body up a up a rock wall, it took me like thirty minutes, and, and like, I got oh up there and just like like I, like. Fell on the ground. Yeah, like, I was I'm exhausted. Good. I'm tired. They I'm just like strapped me to the. And then the other thing, it was so funny because you were talking about the joy of going down the zip line. Mm-hmm. I weigh so much that when I go down the zip line, at the end of the zip line, I can actually take three steps on the ground yeah. because it's pulling yeah. it down so much. It's a lot of fun. But so usually we don't have campers like that big. So yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, these yeah. campers are they seven years old. They don't have fat campers, is what she said. <laughs> um, so, so, uh, like, but in all seriousness, like you were talking about the connection just with, with just with the, the leap of faith, right? The connection to, to our faith and and that's what i love so much about deer creek every activity we do whether it's basketball or eating or jumping off of a platform or doing all the low ropes or high ropes things there's always this connection to mm-hmm. the faith and like and like it's so funny because people be like oh camp's just fun right yeah. it's just a time to hang out and like people have these intense experiences with christ these intense realizations of oh like this is what this small you know low ropes course actually mm-hmm. means right um so what like if Parents want to send their kids to Deer Creek Camp. What's the main goal that you want for these kids? The main goal is that we want them to 
understand, like we want them to get it. So our main mission is portraying the gospel to them, not just through devos or Bible studies or like, cause you can get that anywhere. You get that in school. Sometimes if you go to a private school, um, but it's through relationships. So we want to show them the gospel through our actions, through the love, through the fun and the activities. And so like our, our, I guess our mission is to just portray that to them. And so we want them to walk away from camp having a better understanding of their relationship with Christ so that they can go out and show it, show that to their friends and minister to those people in their lives. And um, as camp, because we only get these kids for a week, their parents have them for the other 40, 41, 51, 51 weeks. There you go. And I was like, what the hell? 52 <laughs> weeks in the week, a year. They get the, Their parents have them for the other 51 weeks of the year and we only get them for one. And so our mission is just to, show them that love and then have the parents kind of cultivate it afterwards. And so it's not, we don't, we're not the only people working in their lives. Like they have mentors, they have family members, they have aunts, uncles, friends, teachers, principals, all of those people in their lives. And our job is just to help them identify it, identify what these people are trying to do for them as opposed to just like parents, if like they correct you on something or uh, make you wash dishes. It's not because they don't like you. It's like, no, no, no. They're just trying to help you become a better person and understand responsibility. And so they listen to us because they're in a different environment than with their parents at home or in school, learning from a teacher. It's like they're outside at camp playing around and we're like teenage kids talking to them about Jesus and about having fun and they're more apt to listen. And so we just want them to walk away knowing that God loves them and that they can have a relationship with him and that they can show and share that love with other people. Cause it's not just something they like keep to themselves. We want them to show it off and they like, want them to like spread it to everybody else. We want them to have this feeling that they want their friends to have as well. And so it's just letting them do that. Yeah, that's fantastic. I actually, I absolutely love camp and like just you being here the last 30 minutes or so is just brought back so many great memories of camp. I absolutely love Deer Creek. So if people want more information or want to sign up, all the, all these great things, um, how, where can they find Deer Creek online? How can they do that? Uh, literally, all you have to do is Google search Deer Creek Camp or Christian Camps in Texas because I think we're like one of like the top five on Google right go. now. Uh, yeah, we pay for that spot, so <laughs> use it. Um, but We pay for fourth. We don't have enough money for first through no. third. We pay for fourth. Those are the bigger camps. Like yeah. So Deer Creek Camp is small and it's, which is what I love about it. It's, uh, we have about probably around 100 to 150 campers a week, uh, which means that the camper to counselor ratio is so much smaller. That means they get a better connection with people and that they know other people in their week. Like That's not just in their cabin. They get to know the older campers, the younger campers. We like to integrate all of them together so you feel like a family. You don't feel like you're only with your cabin all the time and that's only the people you know and meet at camp. No, you are in a, you're talking to everyone. You have meals with everyone. And so, and with the staff too, like we have a higher, we have a higher about 40 counselors. And so they, at the end of the summer, like you feel like everyone is related. You feel like you're bonded for life and you just, so it's harder to get that at a bigger camp. And so Deer Creek, it's just so familial and, I love it. But yeah, so you go to DeerCreekCamp.com. <laughs> super easy, super simple. And you can click register if you want to register your kid or if you want to uh, become a counselor. Uh, you just go to how do I become a counselor section and it'll we'll talk you through all of it. And so yeah, That's great. Some of the best years of my life. So go check it out. <laughs> DeerCreekCamp.com. Vern, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. You're welcome. I love this. <laughs> yeah. All right. We'll see you later. 
Alrighty, alrighty, alrighty. We are back for our third segment of Forte Catholic for today. I want to thank Vern for coming on the air. That was re- recorded a, a few weeks ago, and it, I figured it would fit well since uh, we are at summer camp, and they're currently in their Catholic Adventure Week at summer camp. So, um, again, keep keep us in your prayers, the uh, Blaze Ministries uh, summer camp out, out at uh, Cooper Farm, and be praying for those friends at Deer Creek. I absolutely loved my time out there. That place has a very special place in my heart. So, um, if you're just joining us in the first segment, I was talking about like why do things like summer camp for this whole idea of pre-evangelization and evangelization. And then we have things like Catholic radio and, and going to mass and going to um, like like parish missions and these kind of things that are catechesis to teach us things um, to grow in our faith, right? And so one of the things that we're challenging these kids to do at the end of the week is to commit their lives to God. And we're going to be talking about what does that actually mean? What does committing your life to God mean? So um, I'm not going to go into all the details, but one of the action items that comes out of that is to actually have a prayer relationship with God. So we're going to challenge, we're going to be praying with them all week, showing them how, modeling that for them. And then we're going to say like, okay, you're going back home. Like camp's over. Oh, that's sad. What are you going to do? What are you going to do next? Right? The same thing that we did at camp. Praying by yourself for you know five ten minutes, like we'll we'll have Bible study, and then we'll let them go pray by themselves for five ten minutes in the morning, and we'll pray together at night. You're cool. So it's like, okay, how can you model that? How can you do that same kind of thing uh, once you go home from camp? It's like, okay, we can pray together by going to mass, and then we can pray by ourselves. And like these are sixth through eighth graders, so we don't expect them to be, you know, praying eight hours a day. Like do five ten fifteen minutes, right? That's pretty. That's a pretty uh, basic. No pun intended. Camp basic pretty basic request of a of a junior high kid. Say your morning prayers, say your night prayers, that sort of thing. Tell God what's going on in your heart. So I, I did want to share with you a couple of things like on this topic of prayer. Because I think it's a great reminder, even for those of us who have who have been catechized, who are trying to live as as disciples, as true followers of Christ, so often we get we need the reminder of the importance of our life of prayer. And so I was actually in um we were having our staff prayer uh, with the Blaze Ministries a couple of a couple of days ago, and this story came up in Exodus. So it's it's a it's a story you you may be familiar with. It's uh, one of those ones that you might have heard before, you might not have. So it's from the Battle of Amalek, and I think the main reason I'm going to read this is so I can have fun reading uh, crazy names from the Old Testament. <clears throat> but so I'm I'm gonna, I'm going to go through it with you, and then I'm I'm going to. Sh- share with you what it means for our prayer life. So then Amalek came and raged war against Israel. So Amalek is the bad guy. Israel is the chosen people of God. So Moses said to Joshua, who was like his second in command, choose some men from from among us and tomorrow go out and engage Amalek in battle. I will be standing on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So this is the same staff that he used to like part the way, part the sea so they could walk through and be saved. So this staff represents God's power, right? So like it wasn't Moses. Moses wasn't a magician. He didn't do, he didn't part the seas on his own power, but God, because like God asked him like, Hey, put the staff down and I'm going to make the waters come out. But he still waited until Moses actually did it. So we're going to have a similar theme here in this story. So Joshua did as Moses told him, he engaged Amalek in battle while Moses, Aaron and her H U R. Uh, climbed to the top of the hill. 
as long as Moses kept his hands raised, Israel had the better of the fight. But when he let his hands rest, Amalek had the, pow- the, the better of the fight. And so I, I was reading this, it's, and it was one of those things that I've heard, this, I've, I've heard this story before, maybe a few times. It's not one of the most popular stories in the Bible. But just picture this. Picture yourself out on this mountain. Your friends are down in the valley fighting. And if you have your hands up holding this staff, you're pr- he's, he's praying for them. Like he's praying on behalf of these people. He's Again, he's not a magician. He's praying on behalf of these people and lifting them up in prayer. Whenever he's doing that, they're winning. Whenever he, his arms start to fall, they start losing the battle. So think about like the reality of that. When they're losing the battle, what does it mean to be losing in a war? People are dying, right? And that's so crazy, like the immense impact that Moses' prayer has. Now, I don't think if, if I pray or I don't pray, I don't think it's like life, life or death for thousands of people out on a battlefield. But what it does tell me is that my, my prayer is important, that my prayer has power. And like, if that doesn't um, encourage me to, to, to do my prayer whenever I don't want to, then I don't know what will. Because if you think about it, Moses could have been like, oh, I'm done praying for the day, <laughs> lower his arms, and then they would have lost. But even when it was difficult, Moses still held up his hands and prayed, or at least tried his best to. But still, his hands were dipping. So the next verse says, Moses' hands, however, grew tired, so, so they, Aaron and her, they took a rock and put it under him, and he sat on it. That's very nice of them, very practical, right? Meanwhile, Aaron and her supported his hands one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady until sunset. And Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the sword. It's like, oh my goodness. So they won. But God wanted Moses to be involved in this. He also wanted Joshua to be involved in this. And he also wanted Aaron and her to be involved in this. So it's interesting how God called these people to do different things to accomplish this goal. He wanted Moses to, as the leader of the people of God, to be the primary person praying for them. So if you think about what this looks like in the church, the Pope, his primary job is to lead and to pray for his people. You think about the, the pastor in a parish, his primary job is to lead us in prayer, is to, to lead us in the sacraments, right? And then I think about this, like even on who's the priest of the home? It's, it's the father. So like the, the father's primary job is to be leading and praying for his family. But Moses isn't alone in this. He has Aaron and her to, to, to help him whenever he starts to fall. So I think, what, okay, what does this mean for, for me? What does it mean for you? It means that there are going to be times where you really want to pray. Moses stood up there by himself with his hands raised for a, quite, a, quite a while because they were winning the battle. And then, but at some point, his, his arms started to, started to dip. Even though he knew the, the impact of his prayer, he was literally watching in front of him the impact of his prayer. Winning when, I'm pray, when my hands are up, losing when my, when my arms dip. So even though he knew the impact of his prayer, he still was slipping. There were things that, like uh, physically, there were still, there's always going to be th- some things that happen to us that are going to make us want to stop praying. Whether it's we're tired because our son kept us up till two in the morning last two nights. 
Uh, that's not personal at all. That's totally what happened the last two nights. Whether it's it's we're sick, that's a big one for me. When I get sick, it's really hard for me to pray. I'm just like, I just want to sleep and sulk. <laughs> or if you know something bad happens in your life, you get you get fired, you you fail a test, your girlfriend breaks up with you, whatever it is, these outer things can make it harder for us to pray. So in that moment where it was hard for Moses, who did he have? He had Aaron, the chief priest, and her, one of his other closest friends and leaders, to be there with him to help him whenever he was falling. This is what Christian community is for. There are going to be times where I am like feeling super holy and and wanting to pray all the time. And there's a ton of other times where I don't feel like I want to pray and I don't feel like I want to be the good Catholic, the good Christian that God wants me to be. This is why it's great for me to have people in my life, my, my, my wife, my friends, uh, the men's Bible study I'm in, my, 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 uh, my coworkers, to be able to call me on my crap whenever I'm not doing what I need to be doing. And, and to be able to help and, and, and to love me through that. That's what Aaron and her did. They helped him in the practical. Whenever Moses was struggling, they helped him in the practical things. So whenever there are practical things happening to you, who do you have that can hold you accountable? to doing the things that you know that you're called to do, even though you know that they're good, but things happen and they get more difficult to do. And then also there are times where we're called to be like Joshua, to trust the leaders, to trust God, to trust the Pope, to trust the church, that even if we don't understand why we're in this battle, how we're in this battle, just like Joshua, like he still was like, I'm going to go fight this battle. And God called all of them to do those things. So one of the things that I'm, I'm, I'm praying through for myself that I want to pray for for you is to find this balance of like, when am I supposed to be Moses? When am I supposed to take time away? Even when there's a battle going down, going on down below me, when everything's going crazy in my life, when do I need to pull away and pray? Or maybe we're like Aaron and her. How can, how can we in our daily lives look at our friends whenever they're struggling and be able to help them to be the Christian community that they need? And, and I was, it was interesting because as we were reading this story, I thought about another time in, in the Bible where um, people were supposed to be helping somebody else pray. I think of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. So Jesus is praying, knowing that he's about to suffer and die. So he goes off to pray in this place that where he always does. Like, I, I had never thought about that until Easter, Holy Week this year or last year, where the, where the, the homily was talking about, like, how did Judas know where he was going to be? Because that's where Jesus always went off to pray. This is where he went to spend time with, the, with his father. And... So Jesus is praying. He's literally sweating blood because he knows what's, ha- what's coming. He knows that there's this big amount of suffering and, and, and torture and all these things that's going to come. And he's in the garden with his, with his apostles. And he walks over to him and he's like, guys, like, I'm praying. I'm trying to be just like Moses was. I'm trying to help win this battle for you guys, for the, peop- for the people of God. And I need you to help me. Like, I'm, I'm scared. He was sweating blood. And he asked them, and, and what were they doing? They were asleep. So then he goes back, and he prays again, and then he comes back, and what are the apostles doing? They're asleep. 
And what's so interesting about this story for me as I was reflecting on it is they were asleep during the prayer time. But then when Judas came with all the, you know, the, the people with swords to take Jesus away, then all of a sudden they're wide awake. And Peter stands up and he takes a sword and he cuts the ear off some dude that's trying to, that's trying to take Jesus. So Peter was wide awake and willing to do something for God when it was something active. But he didn't want to take that time to pray. And it, that hit me like, like a brick right in between my eyes. It's like so often, like working in ministry, I want to just do the things. I'm wide awake when it's time to do something for Jesus. But then, God, but then Jesus is like, hey, I want you to spend time with me and pray with me. I'm like, I'm really tired. <laughs> just like the apostles, right? And I'm sure I'm, sure I'm not alone in that. Um, I'm sure you've had some times in, in your life that, that are really similar to that. But I think the difference is, like, whenever we have those times, do we have people like Aaron and her around? Or are, are people around us sleeping? Or when we see somebody who's struggling in their faith, are we sleeping? Or, would we, or do we go and we, we, we ask them, like, hey, how's your prayer life doing? I had a friend that did that for me um, a few years ago. And the first couple of times he asked me, I was like, well, it's pretty crappy. It's not real good. But because I knew that he was going to ask me about it, I started improving because I didn't want to look bad, like if for no other reason. But then like my prayer life started to grow and I actually enjoyed doing it and wanted to do it. But it was all because this guy kept asking me, hey, how's your prayer life? Making those bold questions. So um, there's a, it's, it's interesting because like why, why pray at all? And there's this whole scripture of um, where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. So our, our, de- our treasure, our desire, actually leads our heart, not the other way around. So if, if where we spend our time, where we have our desires, our heart's going to be there. So where we need to put our desire and, and, uh, is in God, obviously. That's where all of our ultimate desires are going to be fulfilled. But that's what we should be striving for. And I, I say all the time, it's like, God, I don't desire to pray. But I do desire to have the desire. Like, I know this is good. I know that I want it. I don't want it right now, but I desire to desire that. And what this, what this verse is saying is like, that's where my heart is going to go. If I have this desire, if I'm putting my treasure in my time with God, then my heart will surely follow. Um, and there's this whole idea of in prayer. Like the more the more we hang out with people, the more we pick up their their little nuances. The more we pick up uh, things from, like you know, somebody moves from the north down to the south, they'll probably say y'all at some point. They'll lose their northern accent over the course of many months, many years. You you know that hanging out with your bre- best friend, you start getting their little quirks. You start saying little things <laughs> like they say them. You have little sayings you'd never heard before, and then all of a sudden you're saying them all the time. Like this is what our prayer is like. If we want to be more like God, the more we spend time with him, the more that we will be like God. So that, like, that's, that's the whole point of this thing. And that's the, that's the whole reason why I wanted to talk about this is going back to the first segment. We need to have time of pre-evangelization, times where we can just love on people, like get them in the door, show them that we love them. We need to have times where we're sharing the faith with people, evangelizing them, sharing just the basic message 
of the good news with people. And then we need to take them deeper, go from the milk to the meat, like start giving them real food. And then, and then we, we, we walk with them, we help them grow in their life of prayer, things like we were just talking about a second ago. And then, and then we can send them on mission to, to go and share the love that they've received with other people. So like, that's our show for today. Uh, it's been great being here with you today. Uh, speaking of sharing love with people, I would really appreciate it if you can go and share love um, for the show on your social media account on 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 iTunes. So this podcast is like so, so many people aren't familiar with podcasting. It's one of my favorite things in the world. It's where there's a podcast app on your Apple device or on on your Android or whatever, where you can just download old shows of my show of other shows. It's like podcast is all I listen to anymore. So uh, go sh- search for Forte Catholic on whatever on your iPhone on on in Google Play or on the iTunes podcast store go find it i would really appreciate it if you could rate the show somebody rated the show pretty recently it says i love listening to this radio show the dialogue between taylor and his guests is enjoyable the content is insightful and the topics are relevant um so thank you for for the few of you that have gone through and rated it it really helps with the um visibility of the show and please when you see the post about this episode even if you're listening live go share it with your friends this has been fun see ya